Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to an overdue episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and along with me is Tim Parrish. And Tim, if we could use licensed music in this show, and I know we can't because of copyright reasons, but I'd really wish we could have had the intro to Aerosmith's Back in the Saddle, you know, and then I'm back, right? And then it goes into the show, but we can't afford the licensing fee for that. So you'll, you'll all just have to use your imagination. Yeah, too bad we're not on satellite like radio, then we'd have access to all of their music. Right, yeah, although I don't think I would, I think that's the only one I would use because, I, I mean, you know, I liked Aerosmith in the 80s and 90s because everybody kind of did, but like, you know, then they kind of just became overused, you know, like by the time, remember Armageddon? I remember like Aerosmith being on the soundtrack and just thinking, that was 1998, but just thinking, oh my God, these guys are just like, like give it up. It's just, you know, like it's 1998, put on some more current music than Aerosmith. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll beg to differ on that one because uh, I'm an Aerosmith fan. However, I'm an Aerosmith fan when they were on drugs still. That's when they put out their best stuff. Was but, it? Uh, heck yeah. All of their albums that came out all the way up until Done With Mirrors. Everything after that was just commercial commercial cash grab music. Well, you know, it's funny because right now people who clicked on this link are like, wait a minute, this is a hockey podcast? Did I click on the wrong, did I click on the wrong show? Well, what I actually meant by being able to use all their music was all of satellite music, not just Aerosmith. Oh, so, yeah. To clarify. Of course, because you know they have everything, and any channel that's on there can use utilize it because it's all part of the same licensing. Right, right, so. right. Then, then, uh, yeah, then we could, you know, then next week we could use "Thunderstruck" by ACDC. Also, great intro. Yeah, that's a good one. I have like a wish list of like music that I would use as intros for this show, you know, but I can't afford or don't want to get in trouble. So, yeah, we would just have to have get a BMI and an ASCAP license to be able to use them. You make it sound so easy. Uh, it's easy. It's just expensive. Mm. Yeah. So back in the saddle, it's been a month. I got to tell you, I mean, I loved every minute of, of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Stanley Cup finals. I tried to watch as much as I could. I've been working from home as a teacher. I, I, I mean, I teach anyway, but... Because I've been teaching from home, I've been home all the time. So I was able to pretty much catch all the playoff games because I had like a month off between classes, between like the summer and fall quarters. And then by the time the fall rolled around, all the games were at night. And every night I was just like, well, seven o'clock and watch hockey, you know, rain or shine, watching hockey no matter what. But, you know, since then, I mean, well, during then I was just busy with being a teacher because this whole pandemic thing has made everything harder for everybody um and i'm at home but i got like a lot of work i mean a lot more work that i normally wouldn't have to do if i was showing up and teaching a class you know show up teach a class go home grade papers or whatever go back um but i'm not complaining i mean everybody some people have it better some people have it worse i'm just saying my time has kind of gone into different places but man i just did not have time and i guess you were a a, a busy guy too huh 
yeah, between, you know, everything going on with work and, you know, the kids and stuff, it's uh, it's pretty hectic. So what, uh, I know a lot has happened in the NHL in the past month or in the world of hockey in the past month. And obviously we're not going to talk about all of it because then this would be like a 13 hour show. And we do want to talk about some hockey cards today. That's definitely in the plan. But what would you like to talk about? Because now to me, it's kind of all the blur water under the bridge. Like, oh yeah, that happened three weeks ago. Oh yeah, that happened. Well, I know the cup was two weeks ago. Who won the cup again? Oh my God. Did Did that happen? Yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning, which yeah, so, so is Lightning great. Lightning win the cup for the second time. Um, yeah, but I mean, we're talking like, you know, 16 years apart, so. But still, they got two cups now. But, and, yeah, I mean, that's within franchise. a lifetime. Yeah, that's nice. And, uh, you know, their big celebration afterward was interesting. Everybody out on all those boats. Mm-hmm. That was That was kind of different. Well, that's how you least. keep people from social gathering to see a parade. Yeah, so that was that was definitely interesting. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked that the uh, that the cup didn't get tossed overboard at some point and sink to the bottom. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, yeah, but the the first time was at the bottom of a swimming pool. This would have been the bottom of of the abyss. So no, I think it ended up in some canal in Canada back in like the early 1900s or something. Oh, did it? I yeah. Know. And I mean, one time it was left on a roadside and then they found it the next day. And one time it was lost and found and a woman used it as a flower pot. This is back when the cup was a lot shorter when it was just like a bowl on a base Yeah, and didn't have all the rings added to it. So there's a lot, just, of, there's a lot of, I was stories. talking about Mario's pool. So mm. That the Mario pool story, but uh, yeah, so I mean, th- so that was kind of interesting, and you know, the bubble's over with, so that experiment worked, and you know, there's a chance that we could be going back to that, depending on the state of the world when hockey season comes back around again. Which uh, Batman hinted that they're targeting January for the start mm-hmm. of the new season, and it might be a shortened season. Um, I think I heard Bill Daly mention something like 64 games or something around that, um, that, that general area. So, um, you know, so that's, so that's interesting. That's at least something that's more than we had before. Obviously we don't know for sure. I have an idea, but what's that? So they say like, if you're trying to prevent the spread of COVID-19, it's better to be outdoors and indoors they should make every game a winter classic oh geez every game an outdoor game uh considering we've already like discussed on the show how we were thinking that the outdoor games have jumped the shark <laughs> making the entire thing I don't, I don't know if they could do that especially the with the with the whole way that they blow it up they obviously couldn't do that it would just have to be individual things but Wow, the logistics of that, that would be insane. Considering how much work goes into just doing one game, let alone having all of them played. Especially if it's in a non-cold climate. Sure. Like California, and they have to do outdoor ice. I mean, that's obviously much bigger of a challenge than doing it in Soldier Field in Chicago in January. But anyway, um, I liked the Bubble League. Not going to lie, if they went back to the bubble league, I know the players have already said, no, they don't want to do that for 64 games. Can't say I blame them, uh, obviously. But 
I liked, well, one, I liked no NHL players getting sick. Two, I liked the round-the-clock games. Eh, it's two in the afternoon, and the Islanders and the Capitals are playing. Sure, why not? You know, like, I loved that. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, hockey at all hours of the day, you know? It was like, sometimes they had so many hockey games going on at the same time that they had a game on NBCSN, and then they had to put one on MSNBC, and then they had to put one on the USA Network, which is ironic because once upon a time, 30 years ago, the NHL was on the USA Network in America because they couldn't get a real sports station to carry their games. So USA, you know, remember? USA up all night. Oh, yeah. And then you had NHL. I mean, that was probably... Rhonda Shearer. Yeah, and Gilbert Gottfried. I remember. You know, I mean, if you want to pick a low point in the NHL's broadcasting history, would it be USA or would it be the Outdoor Life Network? You know, if we're talking about these outdoor games, I guess Outdoor Life Network would have been good. But Yeah, but you know, OLN was, was back when, like... The only things that were on there, though, were it was either hockey or it was hunting shows and fishing shows and that swamp, kind of stuff. Swamp boat racing. And, yeah, and you really didn't see anything else other that people would consider non like wildlife type type programming and then it switched to verses uh once comcast picked it up which then it had then it had a few more sports offerings other than those it still had the fishing and the hunting but it mixed some other stuff in and then uh obviously you know it switched to nbc sports network so right but uh yeah hockey's had an interesting lifespan on tv and ESPN is apparently jumping back in the mix to try to gain back some uh, some coverage. So we'll see how that pans out in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, ESPN is realizing that they've pretty much lost their, I don't say lost their relevance, but lost a lot of their relevance when it comes to broadcasting options. Because, I mean, it was like the game was either on, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC, or Fox, or, you know, maybe ESPN, which was on a, you know, a cable channel, but in every every home that has cable has ESPN, at least ESPN, the not like two or three or five or college or whatever. The Ocho. The Ocho, right. It's like, well, 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 look at who wants the NHL now. It's just like, well, does the NHL need, you know, 10 years ago, we would all, all been like, you know, you're stupid NHL. You should, you should get back with ESPN no matter what. Now, I don't think that's really that'd be necessary. I, I mean, think the last two seasons they've been covering individual games on a select basis on the ESPN plus application. And I think it's actually done really well with their viewership. And I think that's one of the reasons why they want to jump back into it because it's, it's hard to be the entire sports network when you're missing some sports. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's the sports that they don't care about. Well, well, they, they showed they that they lost interest in the they lost interest in the hockey when they didn't get the the deal to be able to broadcast games. So they threw a hissy fit, and they're like, "Fine, we won't even cover it." Right? Okay, fine. Will hockey survive without you? Yes. And did it? Yes. So, it did. There you go. Um. So yeah. So what else happened? Oh, the draft. How could we forget the draft? Got to talk a little bit about the draft. Yeah, nothing cooler than Alex Trebek announcing announcing Tim Stutzel from Tim Stutzel. Ottawa, Sen- Ottawa Senators. And yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think 
they watch Jeopardy in Germany, so I can't imagine him thinking that was, he was probably, you know, hey, cool, I'm drafted, right? But if it was like a Canadian kid or an American kid who got drafted, be like, oh my God, you know, Alex Trebek, you know what I mean? Like, but uh, yeah, okay, so what do you want to say about the draft? I kind of, I kind of pay, half paid attention to it. I watched it. I watched the entire first round and I even paid some attention to future rounds as it went through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Alexis Lafreniere, who everybody thought was going to be the number one pick for the Rangers was the number one pick for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually was it yesterday? Uh, he's, he signed. Yep. Um, so they've got him under contract. He's going to be wearing number 13. Um, for his uh for his jersey number so lucky 13 um and so we'll see how we'll see how that works works out i i fully anticipate him making the roster right off the bat and um you know playing second line left wing right behind Panarin. i could see that right right off the bat but uh who knows we'll see um quentin byfield went second which was really cool to see things um, you know, I, I think that was a great pick. Um, you know, if, if you know anything about Byfield, I mean, he has the potential to grow into, you know, a 30, uh, an easy 30 goal scorer. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a long time, he has just that kind of ability. Stutzel, like we were just saying, you know, Alex Trebek announced the pick for Ottawa. He just had, he's having surgery. They just announced. Oh, bummer. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if he's going to be ready for the season or not. But uh, most of the picks, it seemed like most of the picks were kind of falling where you thought they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Wings took Lucas Raymond. The Senators then, with their next pick, took Jake Sanderson. Um, and, you know, it kind of went from there. The The surprise for me was um, there was a um, – uh, there was a there was a player that originally was ranked a lot higher, um, and actually fell um, fell quite a bit in the in the standings, uh, and finally the Capitals picked him at the, with the twenty second pick, and that was uh, Hendricks Lapierre. Um, great player, but he had an injury, and because of COVID. And everything that had gone on, teams really couldn't send their physicians to not to figure out what was what the outlook was. Mm-hmm. They couldn't send trainers to like work him out and see how he was working out. They couldn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. So everybody was kind of up in the air about how this whole injury was, and I think that's what people people kind of got scared, and he dropped. So that's a. I think that might be a really good pick at that at the twenty second spot, but like I said, other than that, most of the uh, most of the picks were pretty close. I mean, within a couple of of their pre rankings, you know, well, within a couple think, spots. So I don't think there were any big surprises other than uh, some of those. Um, um, well, the injured player, play. yeah. yeah. That that one, which was interesting, but uh, some of the um, European players, 
Right. I was going to say some of the foreign players that got picked, well, but some of the I European players. Meant. No one's going to uh, cancel you for saying foreign players. Yeah, you never know. Well, but, uh, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, the, the shocker to me was uh, when the, the Devils took, uh, what was his name? Shakir uh, Muka. I don't even know how you pronounce his last name. It's Muka Modulin. Muka Modulin mm-hmm. or Muka Modulin. Okay. I, 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 I don't even know how to even say the name. But he was from the KHL. Um, so that was an interesting one. And his teammate went a few picks before him to the Leafs. Um, Rodion Amirov. Mm-hmm. I thought both of those picks were interesting. And Nashville taking Yaroslav Askarov. Mm-hmm. That guy could be really good or that could be a huge bust. Because goalies, especially goalies that go in the first round, that's tough, tough to say tough it's real tough because most of the time guys goalies get drafted they're drafted based off of their future potential right. and it might be two three years before you even see them take the net so but uh speaking of goalies the uh, the penguins traded up and ended up getting back into the second round um they didn't have a pick until the fourth round this this year mm-hmm. but they uh they traded up Got back into the second round because they got Ottawa's pick and uh, drafted a goalie with their first pick because they shipped Matt Murray off to Ottawa. So Were you surprised by that, by that move of Matt Murray? No, he was gone. I mean, it, it was inevitable when he was gone that he was going to be gone when they, when they uh, gave Jari or announced that they were going to give uh, Tristan Jari, the uh, extension from the contract, mm-hmm. right? Because if you look at if you look at their depth chart, um, you know they've got Jari. They still have Casey DeSmith on the roster. He was playing in Wilkes-Barre most of the year. Um, they ha- they drafted Emil Larmy a few years ago, and he's also on Wilkes-Barre. Um, they've got a couple guys in the system already playing for Wheeling. So, I mean, they're flush with goalies, and they drafted two more throughout this year's draft. So, Wow, they're really not taking their they, – they really need a goalie. Um, or they need to get a few goalies in the pipeline. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, they, they, they do really well on the back end of, of bringing goalies up through the system. They also do really well bringing defensemen up through the system. So, at this point in time, I'm not worried about that too much. But, uh, you know, of course, it all's left to be seen because almost every team no longer looks like it did two weeks ago. Well, with the musical goalies going on, well, Lundquist went to the Capitals. Lundquist did go to the Capitals. And Corey Crawford went to the Devils. He did. And uh, uh, I feel like this is a quiz now and I haven't studied for it. Like, what what team does this goalie play for? Yeah, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to actually look look at who you think teams um, or who you think these goalies were on based off of this past season and, and go and look at it now and just be like, uh, what? What? Yeah. Because so many guys, so many guys got bounced. Um, you know, Markstrom went from Vancouver. He's now on Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one. Uh, Cam Cam Talbot then went from Calgary to Minnesota. 
Um, Edmonton kept Mike Smith. <laughs> Edmonton did. They they re-signed Mike Smith. Dallas signed re-signed Kadobin, which the fact that he the fact that he sat around as long as he did. Hope he went to Vancouver. You, like you said, Crawford went from Chicago to New Jersey. A lot of people were saying that was prompted on a call from Martin Brodeur. Uh, actually called him up on the phone and talked to him a little bit about what it was going to be like coming to New Jersey and basically being the mentor for uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of what he's going to have to do from this point. Grice went from the Islanders to the Red Wings. Yes. So that was a Red Wing pickup, which actually I think that's a decent pickup because they they cut Jimmy Howard loose. Um, so yeah, they needed to do that. Yeah, and Howard, you know, it is what it is. Howard, Howard had flashes the last couple of years, but he's hasn't been. I don't think he's been the same goalie that he was a few years ago. Um, so I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he actually got signed or picked up by anybody yet at this point. Um. So let's see who else was out there. Oh, Keith Kincaid went to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. He was on Montreal. So then Montreal needed a backup. They brought in somebody to back up Price. Um, Jake Allen. Oh yeah, that's right, Jake Allen. I was gonna say Aaron Dell, but he went to Toronto. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was just a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of goalies going from one place to the next and finding new homes. Not only that, it wasn't just goalies. A lot, most of the major free agents. Have gotten picked up. The big signing was uh, Alex Petrangelo signing in in Vegas. Uh, that was a huge deal, eight point eight million. You know, and those those that may know, Nevada doesn't have state tax, so eight point eight million. It's a lot more money you get to take home in your pocket. Uh, doing yeah. some places, playing in Florida, playing in Nevada. So now you want a uh, you want a. You won a hockey glove signed by Alex Peter Angelo. Uh, My so wife did, yeah. Okay, your wife did. National. The so so last Chicago National. So you can't really sell it if it's your wife's. Uh, no. And, I was going to say, it'd probably be a little easier to move now that he's with, uh, I mean, not that the Blues were a bad team by any means. I mean, they won the Stanley Cup, but I mean, you know, Vegas. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he is... A fantastic player, you know, was the captain of the Blues. I mean, I think the Blues should retire his number, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't win that cup without him. You know, he was a leader on that team. Uh, and he, he's a top defenseman in the league. And and that's part of the reason why he doesn't get the, you know, he doesn't have the flash and the flair of an Alex Ovechkin or a Crosby or a McDavid or guys like that. He's not like the sharpshooter out front blasting the puck he's a defenseman defensemen right. don't get love but every team needs them and every team needs a good one and vegas got a great one so but they were over the cap and they're still over the cap so they had to start dumping some salary so nate schmidt got sent off to uh, vancouver um as kind of part of that that whole process which some people were upset of because he was a uh, uh nate schmidt was a a He's a personality kind of guy. A lot of a lot of fans liked him, but uh, you know, it's just one of them things. And they're going to keep Mark Andre Fleury. They're they not, are. They're, they're keeping not Fleury go with two. Go- they're not going to. They're they're going to go with the two goalie system. Yeah, their hands, were, 
their hands were kind of tied when it came to that because, it's, you know, the, the, they secretly wanted to move Flurry because they wanted to dump his contract. Right. But at the same time, you know, he had he does have the no trade clause again, and there's only certain teams that he would agree to go to. He said numerous times that he wants to stay in Vegas. The guy basically helped build that franchise, mm-hmm. and you know he's a fan favorite. So you're a very young team. You haven't existed that long. Do you want to alienate? <laughs> I mean, do you really want to alienate your entire fan base within the first few years of existence, based off of some some silly moves that you make? But and, and here's the thing: is he still serviceable? Yes. Yeah. Is he still the top? elite goalie that he used to be no but would any team in this league take him yes guaranteed and now we're hearing that robin laner has to have surgery and he may not be ready for the start of the season so good thing they decided to hold on to him so yeah but uh yeah so that's kind of and that's some of the things that have gone on out in the desert but pretty much every team has a has a new outlook you know, you got just changing fan favorite players and, and moving guys that have teams for a long period of time. I mean, I can't even keep up with the Blackhawks anymore. I mean, they traded Brandon Sod again. Neither neither can uh, Jonathan Taze either, apparently, because he's actually, you know, Captain Sirius, who never says anything controversial, has actually spoken out and been like, what the hell, guys? I mean, what what are you doing? And it, it it started the whole debate of, you know, if you're a GM and you're making these moves, do you talk to your star players about it? Do you say, hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. What's your thought? And, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, the higher-ups in Chicago did that, which in this case, obviously they didn't. It's so frustrating. Like, I can understand. If I had, you know, it's like, imagine oh. this. You're trying to play hockey and your teammates keep getting changed on you, and you guys lose, and you hate losing. And then it's just like, oh, wait, we just got rid of this guy that I could rely on to be my wingman, and now he's gone. Yeah, I I could see him getting frustrated. Yeah, I mean, Chicago signed, well, they they dumped Crawford, who, I mean, look how long Crawford's been on that team, 20 years? They drafted him in 2004, I think. Three, four, something like that. So it's like 17 years he's been on the team. I can kind of relate to Taves a little bit. Like, if you've played any sport at any level, and it's like when your teammates don't show up and you're losing, or your teammates keep going to other teams and you're losing, it's just like, this isn't going to help. How do you develop chemistry with the team if you keep shuffling the deck and then dealing out four <laughs> discarding? Shuffling the deck and discarding four cards. How, how do you how do you win? Yeah. Well, I mean, they signed they signed Matthias Yanmark from Dallas, so you know there's at least a little bit of extra playoff experience um, coming to the team, and they got Lucas Walmark from Florida. But uh, you know, you gave up you gave up a goaltender and you re-signed Malcolm Subban, so. I was surprised by that because they they didn't tender him an offer as uh, before he went to UFA status, and then they signed him. Right. And what was interesting about this was when they said they weren't going to tender an offer to Malcolm Subban, I'm thinking, 
well, who the heck do they have in the system now? Because, I mean, the Blackhawks did not expect to make any postseason play. That's why they got rid of Robin Leonard. You know, they traded him to Toronto, who in turn traded him to the Golden Knights. And I'll tell you, what the Blackhawks got for Leonard was not what he ended up being worth. You know, now I understand why a lot of times teams make it a conditional pick. Yeah. And I think that's smart. And they didn't make it a conditional pick. They didn't really get anything for him. They knew they couldn't sign him. So they just, they got something for him. I get it. It's better to get something than nothing. But then you look at how well he played in the postseason. It's like, oh man. And you look at the Blackhawks and Crawford did well enough, but the team couldn't score. But, and also Robin Leonard played really well against them. Um, But when they didn't sign Malcolm Subban, I was just thinking, is he going to get a hockey card as a Blackhawk? Because he played something like a total of like 17 seconds for the team as a Blackhawk. Like he was on the bench for all those games, but he only played one game where like Crawford needed like his skate fixed or something or a strap fixed or something. And so Malcolm went out there for like 17 actual seconds of gameplay, maybe a few whistles, and then Crawford came right back out. So I was yeah. just like, does he get a hockey card picturing him as a Blackhawk or is this going to just be that thing that I remember? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he played for a few seconds and, you well, know. It's the Colin Delia show then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Delia, Colin Delia. Maybe they'll bring back uh, Scott Foster. Yeah, Scott Foster still, still in the system, right? Somewhere. Mm, so, I He's mean, available. As a uh, as a uh, uh, an e bug, I'm sure. But hey, uh, doesn't uh, doesn't Rockford have that uh, guy from Finland on their team, Kevin Lankinen? Isn't he still yeah. in Rockford? So they've got a few guys that they could bring up, none of which have any experience. So yeah, I would take Mark Andre Fleury over any of them. Well, it's too late for that now. So shall we uh, shall we move on to some card talk? Let's do yeah. Let's do that because we so, could talk all day about these uh, moves and players on new teams. So yeah. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about, I'm really excited about this. So I remember getting two emails in the same day, like one after another. Looked at my phone. I was waiting in line somewhere and just checking my email on my phone because I do that now, even though I said I would never do that. And um, I get an email from the sports card sport card expo in Toronto saying that their show for the fall is canceled. And like almost at the same time, I also had another email in my inbox from the Chicago Sports Spectacular saying that their November show is canceled. And these shows happen a week apart. And then I got another email like almost immediately afterward, or maybe it was in the same one from the Toronto show that basically said that they were joining forces to do the virtual sport card expo 2.0. So my favorite show to go to and my favorite show that I've never been to, except the virtual one that Tim and I were at are joining forces to do the virtual sport card expo 2.0, November 21st and November 22nd. So you can either go to Chicago sports spectacular.com. I'm sorry. I think it's um, plural Chicago sports spectacular.com or sport cardexpo.com singular sport sportcardexpo.com and um sign up 
to be a, uh, a dealer or to be an attendee. I don't know much about the attendee stuff yet. I know last show um, they had something crazy like 6,000 attendees because they just made – they had like paid tickets that included raffle tickets, and then they had free tickets that were just general admission. And um, I thought it was a great idea considering where the pandemic was in June where – I mean, he had, like, the U.S. shutting down travel a lot of places, Americans not being allowed to travel many places, Canada shutting down its border uh, with the U.S. So I thought it was an interesting workaround. The thing is, is that it's not a perfect answer. We all want to go to a show. We all want to order boxes. You know, it's funny. I never you know, I go through quarter boxes at shows. I never think about who touched the cards before I did. And now I'm not trying to be alarmist about this, but we still got some things we got to figure out before we're going back to being shoulder to shoulder with people at shows, sifting through cards and laying our hands all over everything. I'm At least excited. on that big of a scale, because I know there's a lot of areas that are actually having shows again. Granted, they're not the scale of this. Yeah. But. You know, with the well, national being canceled and not happening, other than the national and you know the 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 expo, right? The Chicago show and maybe the White Plains show; those right. are probably your biggest shows across the country that aren't the national. So, and I guess the expo is not really in this country, but you know, that's uh, well, they bill it as the biggest hockey show in North America, and they bill it as. Um, I think they want to, I think they say they're the second, well, no, actually the sport card, the Chicago Sports Spectacular is probably the biggest next to the national, but I don't know. I, yeah, mean, you both, get, I mean, you get the point. I've seen the, I've seen the map, the, the floor plan for the sport card expo, and it is huge. Right. And I mean, imagine like, because I'm, I'm such a hockey guy. I mean, when I go to the national, it's a lot of ground to cover, but 80% of the tables I can skip. And this, I think I would stop at 80% of the tables and it would probably take me four days just to get get through the show. Oh, that's the biggest difference is they're predominantly hockey. And what we see is not predominantly hockey. <laughs> well, what makes me excited about this show? So I like the fact that these two venues are joining forces because, like I said, they're they're both two shows that I'm really like excited about, and I'm like I champion, like yeah, good. You know, if it's the Chicago show, I'm usually always there, and if it's the Toronto show, I don't, I I haven't gone. Actually, now I'm kind of like at the point in my life where I can probably start going to the show in Toronto. Um, I could probably start going to the show in Toronto. Um, once I, I don't want to say things get back to normal, but you know what I mean? When Americans can cross the borders freely. Well, we'll be at this one virtually, um, more details to follow as I get that, but yeah, it, it should be a lot like the last one. There'll probably be lots of guest speakers. There's going to be more dealers. I think because it's going to be a lot of dealers from all over and not just Canada. So you're going to get more variety of sports and sports cards, which means you're going to get more variety of fans, which means it's going to be a bigger show, you know? So. Well, and one of the things that they've done to, to kind of beef that up a little bit is the last time around for the spring show, 
and not to go into full detail here, but just to let everybody know the offer that they put out there for uh, eBay stores and to be able to sell through an eBay store uh, was only available in Canada and for Canada, Canada based dealers the last time around this time it's now open up to everyone. So it's the U S and Canada. So that will be definitely a bigger draw to bring in more, um, more people, uh, from a dealer standpoint to make, uh, uh, items available, Mm -hmm. uh, from the, from the U S because they already, they even said that they had, they actually had more people attend from the United States than they did, um, from Canada. Canada overall over the, wow. the, the time that it was open. So, um, yeah, so, so that, so that might make a big difference, but like you said, as we get more details, we'll be, uh, we'll be sharing. Yeah. Well, I, for one, I'm excited. I just, I, I obviously I love the hobby and I just want to see it continue to thrive and grow. And it has in some ways with this pandemic and in other ways it, it, it suffered. So I'm, excited about this and i know we'll be there for sure don't know what role we're going to be playing because now it's a multi-sports show and not just a hockey show so i don't i don't know if people really want to watch us make fun of bad hockey cards for 30 minutes hopefully they do and uh we'll get another to do another live video podcast because that was fun yeah we'll definitely be doing something now as far as we want to talk about a few new releases so um a couple of new sets that have come out we're going to talk about one of them in a minute uh, so what's come out so far for 2021? Upper Deck MVP has come out. Opeachy, also by Upper Deck, has come out. Tops released its new sticker album for 2021. Um, I just ordered four boxes of that. We'll, when I get them, we'll, we'll talk about them. So President's Choice Trading Cards has started a new like set of cards called President's Choice Game Used. And then this set of President's Choice game used is made up of like these subsets, or they, they're calling them insert sets. And so coming out on Friday is something called um, Denting the Twine. They've also had a set come out, which I thought was pretty cool, called AKA, which had like a player's nickname and then like a swatch from their jersey. Um, and then it had like also like names of like famous lines and then like swatches of their jerseys, you know, the, the three players. Um, and then they had a set called Blades of Steel, which came out during the um, in the game uh, days back when uh, Dr. Price owned uh, in the game trading cards. And Blades of Steel is a piece of a hockey skate, not necessarily a blade, but just a piece of a skate. Um, and then Leaf is coming out with Lumber Kings. Know anything about that? Because Lumber Kings is usually pretty far off of my. Uh, wheelhouse as far as like how much i want to spend on cards um yeah i mean lumber kings is is uh not for the faint of heart i will i will tell you that um usually there's you'll see the um uh what do you call it like this not the sell sheets but the like the mock-ups the cards Mm -hmm. um leaf does a pretty good job of throwing out the teasers out there and uh, showing everybody kind of what's available and some of the um, 
you know, card designs and, and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard Brian Gray talk about, um, a couple of the sets. Um, but, uh, as far as the lumber Kings go, generally what you, what you find in those are, um, you know, same kind of thing. It's like stick pieces, uh, pieces of the blades of the sticks, um, you know, tape, like the tape from the sticks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, again, pieces of the skates, like you were just talking about. Uh, it's funny. You s- it said there's called blades of steel. Um, lumber Kings has blades of glory. So, um, well, I would but, take blades of steel over blades of glory any day. Blades of glory was a movie, a comedy from uh, 2007, I think. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a funny movie too. It was pretty funny with, with Will Ferrell and, uh, John Heater. John Heater, yeah, and Will Ferrell. That was those pretty good. I liked it. But um yeah, the the boxes I'm trying to remember how the box breakdown on those. I think it's four autographs or relics in a box. Nice. Um I wanna say 180 bucks is pre-sale on these. So I mean, 180 bucks. I mean, obviously, I've seen worse, but remember, you're talking four <clears throat> cards. So, yeah, and uh, it's funny because I mean, I just spent about 160 on four boxes of Topps hockey stickers, uh, and I'm like, 180 dollars? That's a lot of money. And then it's like, oh, hockey stickers. Here's 160 dollars, right? So, what? I guess I could have spent 20 dollars more and gotten, you know four cards instead of a thousand stickers, but I, I guess I'm just kind of showing my, my colors. Right. Well, I mean, you, you're getting a, you're getting four boxes of stickers versus a chance at a Bobby Hall, Gordy house, Dan Makita, Bobby Orr, Mario Lemieux, Frank Mahavlich, multiple piece of stick in one card, which is, but, you awesome. know, to each their own, to each their own. Which is awesome, but I mean, I mean, yeah, the chances I, of you getting that are slim to none in Slim Left Town. But still, there's a lot of cool stuff that are that are in a product like that. Um, you know, I generally don't. I haven't gone after many of the Leaf products since the the whole merger split, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Of of Leaf taking over in the game. Right. So, I mean, I do have some cards, the individual cards for for some of my PCs especially with Bill Guerin, because it seems like he's in every single one of their sets that they come out with. So I still go after those when I find them. But uh, other than that, I haven't actually bought one of the products. But I will say this, Lumber Kings looks pretty cool. So, so yeah, well, they're, they're, they, got a, they got that Bill Guerin jersey that they bought back in 2013, and so they need to use it for something, right? I've got more so. than one, because I've gotten pieces of... Uh, both uh, Dallas jerseys and Edmonton jerseys and Penguin jersey. So, so oh, and uh, Boston. I have Boston jerseys too. So, they've got multiples. Wow. Yeah, I guess they do. Apparently. So, um, the the big focus that we want to talk about at the end of the show is we want to talk about the new 2021 Opeachy. Just got some uh, in my hands. You got a you got a hobby box. I got a hobby box, and I think you said you've also bought some blasters. Or I have not bought blasters, but I've bought multiple hobby boxes. <clears throat> okay, so you've bought you've bought quite a few of this. 
Yeah, when we made our fun trip to our LCS uh, about a month ago, um, we grabbed uh, what they had. So, well, let me let me uh, let me just throw out the quick details about the set. So, 2021 OPG Hockey, just 600 card set. The first 500 cards, as usual, is the base set. The last 100 cards, so cards 501 through 600, are the short printed high high number cards. And so what that has, there's uh, 20 marquee legends, 30 marquee rookies, 10 season highlights, 31 team checklists, and nine team leader cards. So that gives us up to 600. And then, um, you know, then there's like a bunch of like different parallels. There's the blue, bo- uh, blue border parallels and gold border parallels. There's the ever popular retro parallel. And then the retro parallel has... Um, different uh it it has the black uh bordered version and then there's also the opg premiere uh which they're calling tall boy short prints but i would call them small boy short prints because there's they're actually smaller than a standard hockey card they're just skinnier but they're they're mimicking the tall boy as being taller than they are wide right uh, which they are well but it's a short it's kind of i don't know it's kind of well. And last year they they had the uh, the what were they called caramel the caramels. Yes. Yeah. So this is basically in re- in place of the caramels. It's the same same size card. So anyway, and then there's uh you know there's a ton of different other inserts. There's uh playing card inserts and yep, then playing cards are back, which has become an every year thing. I don't know anybody that's actually gotten a full deck. Or collected a full deck. Do you have you have, do you have a whole full deck of any of those? No, I mean I think from a couple of years ago I got probably about thirty of them or so. But the yeah. thing is, is that this year with the playing uh, the playing cards, there are some that are like easier to get than others. Well, the like, aces are always short printed. I know, and see this is see this is my this is my problem with inserts in a set like this. Okay, first of all, when I was breaking the box, I was like. Oh, this is a lot of nice variety. I kind of like this. But then when I started getting blue border parallels and gold border parallels, I'm just like, why? And then I got a red border parallel that I guess was one per box. And I'm like, why? Like, we don't need, you know, like, I I feel like we don't need this. But then my other problem is that you, it's, it's not just enough to make an insert set. That insert set also needs to have short prints within it, which I resent. You know, if there's a 50 card insert set and you get only four of these cards per box, just make it four of these cards per box. Don't be like, well, but the last 10 are going to be one in every 100 boxes. Good luck. You know, like I'm just. Well, I hate to I hate to uh, dig dig this set a bigger grave for you, but uh, this year there's actually jokers. Yeah, gritty. Yeah, so they added the Joker element this year, which is an even much tougher pull. Of course, because that's the one that, that I want. Yeah, well, that's the one that a lot of people would want. For um, my greedy card collection. Yeah, so um, if I remember correctly, those were like one, I want to say one out of a thousand, maybe. I could be wrong on that, but um, it's... They were un they were unannounced, so they're not on a sell sheet. Um, 
because the the aces I mean, look, are one out of 120. It. So the jokers are unannounced, so they're hard to find. I haven't seen one yet, so. I mean, I get I get that, you know, sometimes you, you short print cards because you keep people coming back. Um, although I got to tell you, I mean, back in the 90s, I mean, those pro set cards were impossible to complete a set. And like none of them, as far as I knew, were short printed. Right. Um, but like to like make a set and then short print the last hundred cards seems I, I still I've, I've begrudgedly accepted it as as the the practice because that is the practice the problem is is that it makes all the other cards relatively worthless by comparison um versus well, everything just kind the practice of, that's the norm i mean the norm gotta, yeah look look at when opichi came back into into the fold as a as a you know the marquee set with a million cards i mean 0607 and the high numbers were short printed then so and from if i that remember correctly forward, that was 200 high short prints i think yeah, because they added all of the all of the league leaders were in there, the stat leaders were in there. Yeah, and they needed to showdown boards were in there. The, the 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 rookie versus sophomore showdown. Yeah, yeah. So all of those were all part of that, and um, those were all short printed. And back then, the collation was horrible. So back then, you could buy a box of Opeachy and get three or four doubles of the same card in a box. So I mean, that was. You know, that was nuts. And, you know, fast forward, they, they still are doing that. Uh, but they've got to the cold, they've got to the breakout kind of like it is now. It's been like that for the last couple of years with the, um, you know, the, the 20, the 20 legends, the 30 rookies, the highlights, the checklist, so on and so forth. So, you know, that, that's kind of been the, the same, I guess. Well, I mean, they haven't, um, they didn't really have too many rookies, especially when you make a set at the end of summer, early fall, and you're only picking guys that made their debut, um, what, until the playoffs? Yeah, because Series 2 can't do, can't, Series 2 can't do anybody past the All-Star break, so... The fall set gets everybody from between the all-star break and the playoffs. But yeah, it's not like they waited for the playoffs to put out this set. They just was pretty much in the works and on its way when, when the Stanley cup finals was going on. Yeah. And Opeachy comes out so early in the year that the marquee rookies that are usually in it are all the guys that debuted pretty much from the middle of the season onward. And many of the guys that just got called up during the playoff time period. So right. that's usually what you get in OPG. That's what you get in MVP. And that's what you get in artifacts because those three sets come out right at the very beginning of the season every year. And that's the crop that they have to choose from. So when it comes down to everything else, all of the rookies in artifacts that aren't those guys, that are going to debut later on, you get a redemption card for an MVP. You get the redemption cards for the, for the, uh, the full sets of the rookie cards from each of the divisions. So, you know, in here, eventually in series two, you'll get the update marquee rookies that'll come out. But right. at least right now, this is who we've got. And, you know, until, until you start to see some of these guys that got drafted showing up in their teams, they're technically, off the board for the mm-hmm. time being. Mm-hmm. So, 
Well, I got to tell you a couple things about this set. First of all, I really like the design of these cards. Like, Opeachy the first Good. five years was hit or miss for me. Like, I didn't like the fact that they made the giant, uh, the logo Opeachy, like, giant on, like, those early years, like, 06, 07, 07, 08, 08, 09, 09, uh, 10. Um, I want to say by 12, 13, that was the first year where I looked at the design and I say, I like this design. Those are the ones that had the light yellow borders. I mean, love them or hate them. Maybe it would have been better with like light blue borders might have been nicer, but I really liked the 12, 13 set, which was a lockout year. So it didn't have, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it, it was going to have the cards that it was going to have anyway. Um, but cause you know, it comes out early in the season, but, um, I like this year's set. I like um, I like the layout of it. This looks like a card that is both retro and modern at the same time. Like it has all the perks. It has good photography, good quality, but it has a and it has like um, it has like white and gray borders, and like the gray is like full blood. So it's not like they're perfectly white borders, like an old card where they had to have white borders because they had to cut them apart and they needed to have a little bit of leeway. Because remember when we talked about the 73-74 set and it looked like the card was miscut, you'd have a little stripe of yellow on your like red card or a little stripe of green on your blue card or whatever. Um, but here, I mean, they still have the, 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 um, the full bleed printing with the gray ink. Um, they have the, the small Opeachy logo, which fits nicely in the corner. Uh, you know, the player name and the team logo and an action shot. It just feels, like I said, it's like, it feels retro, but it has like just enough about it to like say, but this is a new card because of the quality and because of certain print printing techniques. It's not like, bam, gold foil and bam, silver foil and bam, spot varnish. It's not like they're hitting you over the head with all the bells and whistles. And then... Flipping it over on the back. A couple <sighs> things I like about this. I like the fact that they put it on white cardstock. I've been asking for this for 15 years, and they finally listened to me. They said, Sal, we're giving you your wish. No, not really. But they're printed on white cardstock. They look nice. Yeah. They're easy yeah. to read, easier to read. They put a picture on the back, which I think is nice. It's a black and white picture. Didn't they? Didn't Fleer do that with its baseball cards in the late 80s? Didn't they put like black and white pictures on the back? Or they put Probably. player photos on the back? I remember that being like right before like Upper Deck was doing that like as a standard thing. I do remember another card company doing that um, in the late 80s. I mean, I know Score obviously did that too. The only thing I don't like about the back, there's two things I don't like. One is I don't like the fact that they ghost the logo behind the stats because that makes it hard to read. Um, Upper Deck, no offense, Upper Deck designers, because I know you're probably listening to the show. I hope you are anyway. Always tempted to over-design, and sometimes less is more. I would have removed the logo that's ghosted behind the stats. Make the stats easy to read. Like, if you want to pretend that people are going to read the stats, then make the stats easy to read. And if you don't think they're going to read the stats, then don't put stats. Put put a paragraph of text or something. The other thing is, is that I don't like that they don't have the full statistics, but I understand why. It's a little unfair to try to make a trading card 
fit all the stats of somebody like a Yaramir Yager, I know he's not playing, or like a Patrick Marlowe, right? Or a Joe Thornton, right? Where you have these guys now who've been playing for 22 seasons, but you say, well, most guys in the NHL, they play, what, like maybe 10 years? So 10 seems to be a reasonable number. You know, I'd say, man, they only have 10 years of stats, but then I go, well, that's okay. They added a picture. So... I've said my piece about this. You look about ready to you look about ready to explode. So let's have at it. Well, here's the thing. The thing. It's not, I, never one thing with I, you. I like I like the design as well. Okay. I, I think the design works. But the same reason that you really like this card is the same reason that I really don't. And that's because they changed the card stock. I equate this, and other than the 06, 07 set, where the whole card was glossy, front yeah. and back, Yeah. every year it's been on that old school type card stock, where it's got that grayish brown back, and the front is more of the traditional tops OPG card that everybody's been used to since the 60s, and all the way up until... 1991 right and so this year when this came out and i opened the first pack and i pulled out the card and i i was like what the hell is this like what is this is this some kind of insert card and then the next one was just like it and the next one and the next one i'm like why are these backs like this and then i realized they changed the card stock and it reminded me of from 1990-91 to 91-92 when tops changed their card stock and they went from the old school stuff to all oh, the white we, card stock the that white was card stock 91-92-92-93 cuz 90-91 was still that gray yeah 90-91 was still they changed, gray they changed in 91-92 correct yeah and, and in 93-94 they went full on gloss on both sides right. and by that time, I didn't care. But when that initial changed, I was a, it was like a huge thing. Like, holy cow, like, what is this? Like, they've gone, like, full-on futuristic at this point. OPC has always no... been to me that traditional, old-school, here's a million cards, collect them. Set. Okay, and they still have a million cards. And, and it's, you, yeah, you're right. But I, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of the new cardstock change. I don't like it. See, my problem with the brown cardstock is that they the backs were hard to read. Okay, and that's fine. I get it. But I like that feel. I like that. I, but I, these I feel kind of. These do feel like a '91 tops. '91 '92, or they feel like an '80, like a late '80s Fleer baseball card. Remember, like, the baseball cards that had, like, the red and blue ink on the back, and they were printed on white stock? But I don't want that. That's the thing. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, being, now, I, I, I'm being that get-off-my-lawn guy again. Yeah, but now look at the, look at the backs of the retro cards. Yes, the retro I saw cards. Okay, so for those who haven't seen, and I'll definitely post some scans for They're, you to look at. They look, I called them grape juice. Yeah, these look look like '80s OPG card backs. Sure, they do. You got the the pink and purple ink 
on like a light gray cardstock, like an off-white cardstock. So the front, you go, oh, is that the retro parallel? I, I, I guess it's retro. I mean, I, the, the retro parallel looks like, remember we were talking about Broder cards? Yes. And I, I tried for the life of me to figure out what they were trying to mimic or pay tribute to, and I couldn't figure it out. So I want somebody from Upper Deck to tell me what inspired them to do that, because I have no idea. But these backs, man, these are these these are straight up. These feel like eighty two, eighty three, uh, at least with the ink colors. Think the Dale Howard Chuck rookie year, like the backs of those cards had like that dark purple, and then like the the pinkish, and uh, I I think I, I like I actually like to me. Here's the funny thing. There's been like retro cards we looked at and go, oh yeah, that's supposed to be kind of like 60, 61 or, or like that one time they did the 7980, uh, with the blue borders, like that yeah. looked like 7980. And sometimes, I mean, after that, they couldn't be too specific in their designs. They couldn't just straight up take a design. They had to like borrow elements or allude to and that's okay too because that makes it like retro and new at the same time but when i look at the back of this card i go oh yeah the back of this card feels really retro the front i'm not so sure but the back yeah <laughs> the closest thing i can equate the fronts to is 1986 tops baseball and and it's not even really that but that's the closest thing i'm coming up with in my head yeah if you turned it upside down yeah. Had the name at the top. But yeah, you'd, have to, the... you'd have to move the borders a little bit on them, but that's the closest I can come. And I, I don't know. Like I said, I'd like somebody to say what they came up with as far as, like, I looked at this and I thought, oh, what if we did this and this and it'll be similar? I I don't know. Unless I'm missing something from, like, back in the 20s or 30s or 40s or something <clears throat> that I don't know about. I have no No, I think... You know, they could have they could have probably done something a little bit like a like a mid eighties OPG set. They hell, you know, they could have they could have put the name in like a hockey stick on the bottom, and then you would have been like, Oh yeah, that's eighties. And then you looked at the back and go, Oh yeah, that's eighties. You, you know what I mean? Because the back is like I said, the back is perfect. Yeah. As far as and it even looked like like I don't didn't get a lot of the retro well, I got a lot of retro cards. My box Box breakdown here. I'm looking at Duncan Keith, and it looks like you should have got one per pack. E, was it one per pack? Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Here. And the, this this goes back to 0708, but he definitely played before then. So it only has like maybe 13 years of stats. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, like 13 or 14 years of stats. They could have probably gone further because I know he played in 0506. So, I mean, but they have a lot of stats on the back. This is just, you know, this the retro set feels, uh, the backs, the card backs look really cool. The card fronts are okay. Um, yeah, you know, I got a lot of inserts. I, uh, by the way, so a hobby box has 18 packs, 10 cards per pack, which I like 10 cards per pack. I feel like that's a nice number, you know? Six cards, five cards, eight cards. No, ten. Ten is cool. You know what I mean? I mean, back in the day, you had, like, Opeachy had, like, maybe seven or eight cards per pack, and Tops always had 15. So uh, ten, ten, I think, is a nice nice number for amount of cards. 
tons of inserts though and i with me it's always a balancing act like i want enough inserts that it's interesting but when you start having variations of the inserts then i feel like if you're trying to build the set then the inserts become like the empty calories right like they're kind of there and they're kind of nice but they don't really help you yeah we're dinosaurs though people don't build sets like like we do but so. they must because they put out Opeachy every year. Yeah, well, so I think a somebody's... lot of people chase those. They chase those parallels. They chase those numbered cards, the black borders, the yellow borders, the um, the blues, the reds. You know that that's what they're looking for. They're looking for those tough, tough to pull cards. So speaking of tough to pull cards, oh, and by the way, uh, by the way, I got a black bordered uh, retro parallel. I got two of them. I got. William Nylander and Phil Kessel. I'm just getting all the Kessel parallels this year so far. Nice. Um, but uh, I got a redemption card. You did? I did. Did and you I get got the... I got really excited. Oh, you got... Yeah. Okay. I got really excited. Let's continue. <laughs> and then... And then you realized... I need nine of these cards. Yes, you do. To get one card. Correct. All of a sudden, this has become a compendium chase set. Well, it's actually the bounty program that used to be in SP is now spilled over into OPG. Yes, it is a bounty card. Correct. And it's a puzzle piece. It, it's, a, it's a puzzle piece of the OPG logo and the draft logo. Uh -huh. And like I said, first I got excited that I got a redemption card. Then when I realized that I needed nine of them, well, first I looked at, like, oh, one in 96 packs. I go, okay, well, that's pretty cool. That's, you know, like every, uh, I don't know, 10, 10 boxes or so. But then it's like, oh, um, yeah. So I'd have to buy 100 boxes or so and or 90 boxes or whatever to try to get all of them. And then it just, it just totally took the wind out of my sails, you know? Like... It, it was kind of neat. I don't know why they have to make it so hard. I mean, look, when Score did the Alexander Dague Redemption back in 1994, I think maybe one in every, I don't know what the breakdown was. Maybe it was one per box. Maybe it was two per box. But, I mean, if you take that ratio, you're figuring that that card happens, you know, once every 18 packs. That's still a pretty short short print you know what i mean like if you think of like a short print that you get like one per box or one in every other box but to make it like one in a hundred boxes because you have to collect nine of them it just i don't know it takes the fun out of it especially with a quote-unquote low-end product like opg like i can understand if you're putting it in like a set like sp authentic where people are gonna buy 10 boxes anyways because they're chasing hits or they're chasing you know update upper deck cards or a set like you know spx or or whatever fine because you're gonna you're gonna get those people who are gonna do box breaks and case breaks and 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 buy multiple boxes for whatever reason you know black diamonds and other oh actually i'm thinking of the old black diamond not the new black diamond but um i get it for that for this it just it it it's kind of annoying yeah, I didn't. I didn't think you would like them. I didn't realize you you got one in your box. Um, 
Yeah, I pulled one. They did this a few years ago too. I think they've done it for the last few years. I pulled one a couple years ago and never did anything with it. Never scratched it off. Never redeemed it. Um, I still have it somewhere. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. You got to get nine of them. So unless you're going to be case breaking for your own uh, enjoyment, um, you're going to have to pick these up on the secondary market. And most of them that are out there now, and there's a lot of them posted. You could get all nine of them. They're out there. Um, but people are people want anywhere from 10 to 30 bucks for them. Mm. So, you know, how interested are you in trying to come up with an OPG um, Lafreniere card? You know, are you willing to you willing to pay a couple hundred bucks to get it? Because that's what you're going to probably have to do. Or do I just buy a young gun? Well, I mean, it's you're talking about a different card. I know, is, but if is, this card, is, card. is this card going to hold any value because of its scarcity? I don't, I don't know. Because everybody chases the young guns, and nowadays nobody even wants those anymore. They want the clear cut, or they want the acetate ones, or they want the you know, exclusive, or they want the high gloss. or So it's like... I mean, I got the Jack Hughes um, Redemption, MVP Redemption card last year, but... I don't know if there's a really big market for that right now. Because um, he didn't really have a, a breakout season. I mean, it was a, he was a rookie. He had a rookie year, but he wasn't like rookie of the year. And that's the thing. I mean, you can spend your time going after them if you want to be the completest. You can spend your time going after them if you're looking for certain players. Um, yeah. You know, the Achievement Award was for the top overall pick in the draft. We know who that was. We knew mm-hmm. who that was going to be long, long ago. Right. So really, that's your only chance of getting a Lafreniere card out of the OPG product. Until. Uh, uh, unless, of course, they throw something out in the Series 2 updates. If they do that, then um, sure, why not? But other than that, um, he might have a glossy rookie phenom. But again, those are redemptions, too. Um, those are even harder. Uh, I think those were like one out of 2000 packs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of those posted on, on secondary market already 50 bucks and up for most of those cards. But again, you have to collect all nine of them to scratch them off. So, um, it, it's just another, I mean, it's another thing to chase. It adds another level. It may bring in other people into the OPG brand that wouldn't normally do that just because they like that sort of thing. Right. Um, so, you know, I could see, I can see why they're doing it. Do I like it in a product that's considered low end per se? Not really, but I'm not going to go after it. So I'm going to ignore it. Pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, kind of like the, the patches like that they do every year, the manufactured patches. Mm-hmm. When I get one, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. But I don't think about them. I don't chase after them. I don't, you know, try to track them down. Because there's always a ton of them and there's no way you're going to get them all. And, you know, when you get to the higher end ones, they're all short printed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're they're next to impossible to to find. But, uh, you know, it, it's just it's just something else. It adds another dynamic to the product. And, and I get it. I understand why they do it. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, you know. I do like the, you know, you said you didn't, you didn't like the blue border or the red border and all that. I like the blue borders and I like the red border parallels. The blue borders look nice, but maybe because they're, uh, uh, 
they remind me of 7980 or 8990 a little bit or even um was it uh 0102 where tops had those yeah 0102 had but they were like a brighter border you know the mario returns subset yeah those were a little little different shade of blue yeah but, but i uh, mean i i like i like ice blue for hockey cards I think the gold ones look nice. The red I like one. The, I... I like the blue parallels. I like the red parallels too. You're talking gold pair. You're you're talking about the the marquee legends. Yeah. Oh, those, are they? Those aren't a parallel. That's the actual card. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my the marquee, bad. I... The marquee legends are all gold bordered. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah. Because I thought the same thing at first until I realized all of them are gold bordered. I'm like, why did I get so many oh. gold borders? But they're all that way. My my second box that I opened, I had an extra card in it, and I attribute that to the fact that I got a Giovanni Smith retro blank back. Mm. So, so they gave those, you for those Giovanni you, Smith fans out there. So the blank backs are not one per box anymore because I didn't get a blank back. Uh, they're not. Uh, there could be one additional chase card in a box. They're not guaranteed though. And the blank backs are, of course, always a unannounced parallel, even though everybody knows they're included in there. Mm-hmm. And you never know how many there are. I've heard rumors that there's 20. I've heard rumors that there's 100. I've heard rumors that there's 10. Nobody knows, and Upper Deck will never tell. You know, what was funny was when I was going through, um, when I was going through one of my packs, and I was like going through them, and I'm like, oh, this pack only has nine cards. And I know that didn't seem right because I got to tell you, I mean, okay, we've all had mishaps with cards before you get them and maybe the corner's dinged or something and you you get a replacement or whatever. But I was like, nine cards, it doesn't seem like upper deck to make that mistake. And then I went through it again. The playing cards are a little bit smaller. And so it like hid perfectly behind another card. So I didn't see it. Yeah, the playing cards are on actual playing card stock. They're thin. And uh, I like them. I love the I love the card back. I love the back. Looks like an old, like a bicycle deck playing card, but it has an Opeachy logo in the middle. I mean, that is just so freaking cool. Yeah, the playing cards are the playing cards are always cool. Like I said, I, I, I don't know anybody that's actually collected all fifty-two of them though for any given year. And in this year, you got fifty-four of them. So. You know, back in the 90s, the Bicycle Card Company actually put out NHL hockey card decks, and I used to buy them every year. I think I have the 95, 96, and 96, 97 sets, and I thought they were pretty cool. I liked them. I have the NHL playing aces. Was that what we're talking about? Those green green ones? They're like greenish colored? Late 90s? Yeah, somewhere along that. Yeah, we're probably talking about the same thing. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so that's I mean that was one of the one of the inserts in there. I don't know if you noticed or or found that um, there's photo variations again this year. So, I guess I wouldn't know unless I had two of the same card and yeah. said, "Oh, this one has a different photo." So those of you that are out there busting open and think you got a bunch of base cards, flip through them again because of the base cards there are different photo variations that include uh, various different types of jerseys. So you're going to find players wearing practice jerseys 
or commemorative jerseys or the uh, breast cancer awareness jerseys. Um, anything, if you, if you see a card and it looks weird, like if a player's wearing his all-star jersey, chances are it's probably a, a pair, a alternative photo. Now, you're talking about really weird, not like a third jersey. No, the third jerseys, those are past. You know, those are probably what they're supposed to be. The ones I'm talking about are something that looks completely out of the ordinary. Like, oh, why would they take a picture of him in his practice jersey? Well, there's probably a reason. Well, that's kind of like a thing that Upper Deck would do with Upper Deck Series 1 or Series 2. Sometimes you get a lot of cards of guys in, like, their warm-up jerseys. Especially, like, Army warm-up jerseys or military appreciation jerseys sure but for opeachy you don't necessarily see that that often and if you Mm -hmm. do chances are it's a photo variation i don't know if they've all been found yet but um so the way the breakdown goes it's there's the all-star game image variation Mm -hmm. so all of the players that were in the all-star game have an all-star version of their card Mm -hmm. and it doesn't just have the all-star little stamp in the corner it, they're actually wearing the all-star jersey mm. there's also black and white test proof so if mm. you find one that's a black and white photo that's not intentional that's a alternative photo uh the post-game handshake there's a few of those i believe mm. those are all the marquee legends have uh them going through handshake lines so there's like a mm-hmm. gretzky one patrick waugh gordy Howe, and then there's ones where they're in their pre-game warm-up jerseys and mm-hmm. there's ones where in their rookie uniform so you have to be looking carefully at those because it may look like a normal card but if you look close enough most of the players look really young the one thing that drew my attention to one of them was the Sidney crosby card he doesn't have a captain c on his jersey Mm -hmm. and that's what threw it off but you know what's interesting is that they also actually got patrick marlowe in one of his 12 games with the Penguins, eight regular season, four playoff games. Yes, now yes. he's just signed with the Sharks again. So nice that his 12-game stint with the Penguins will be forever commemorated in this Opeachy card. It's just uh, the same way like when Jerome Ginla played for, for the Penguins for a minute. And he appeared on 40 cards as a uh, Penguin or something. He, he, was on, he was on an Opeachy card too. Are you going to build the OPG set this year? Of course I'm going to build it. Are you going to ever finish it? Ah, that's the question. I have yet to finish an OPG set. In fact, I had a conversation with someone today on Twitter about that. Very same thing. And the fact that uh, I've been putting every OPG set together since 06, 07. And I'm not going to stop now. Uh, the closest set I am to completing one through 600 is eight, nine. I need 18 cards. Um, the seven Oh eight set would be second. I need 28 cards and nine, 10. I need 41 all the rest. I need like a hundred or more. Wow. So, uh, I have not calculated how many I need of this year's, but I'm going to guess it's somewhere in the 250 to 300 range. What's the collation uh, like in your opinion? What's it been like? Has it been has it been dreadful like it was in 1314 or has it been uh, no, pretty they, standard? That debacle that they had, they've not repeated. Okay. Um so uh ever since then it's been fairly fa- fairly good. 
Um, if you get to some place where you can buy multiple boxes, if that's what your intention is, uh, make sure they come from the same case because generally speaking, three boxes in a row of the same case, you won't get any doubles. Oh, that's nice. That's uh, kind of what you hope for. Yeah, the fourth box, that could be a wild card. You might get a few. I We've opened two boxes, maybe three this year. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, two. Do we get two? I think we got two. Maybe three. I don't know. I forget. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't know how far I am off of a set. I, I, haven't, count, I haven't looked them up yet. I haven't made the list yet. Now, um, it's still new. Let me ask you this. But yeah, I will build it. So I, I'm just noticing because I was looking into getting more boxes, and I'm noticing that the so a, a lot of the online retailers now they've marked down the hobby boxes from about sixty four dollars to like fifty one dollars. But then I'm noticing that they're also selling retail boxes for about $64. And the retail boxes have 36 packs instead of 18 packs. And what I'm trying to figure out, and I know that the amount of cards might be different, but I guess I'm trying to figure out what's the real draw to buying the hobby packs versus the retail packs because if you just want to build a set like i do um i'm trying to find a reason to spend almost three dollars a pack instead of two dollars a pack and get the retail cards if you only want base cards then nothing if you're going to buy a base or if you're going to buy a retail box of packs there's no guarantee that you won't get doubles in there because it is a retail box. It's designed to be sold pack by pack. Um, you might be better off just buying a whole pile of fat packs and going mm. that route if you're just looking for base cards. But remember, hobby, you won't get you won't get the black borders in anything but hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you like those black border retros that are numbered out of a hundred, you won't get any of those in retail. There's a there's a few other things there's a few other things that were released hobby only too that you won't have a shot at but like I said if you're only looking for well it uh, looks like the uh, the the high numbered cards are one in every two packs on the uh, on the retail packs so a 36 pack box oh eight cards per pack 36 packs per box so you get a little less cards you'll still end up with 18 of the short prints, the 601 through or 501 through 600, which is, which is cool. I mean, that's kind of like my main draw is like the one through 600. And then everything after that to me is kind of like a bonus, like, Oh, there's no black border parallels. Oh, well, you know, like if I get one, great. If I don't get one, I'm not like, Oh, I didn't get a black border parallel. My life is ruined. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you're only chasing after the base cards and you're trying to build a set based off of that and you really could care less about the fluff. Yeah. I mean, a retail box is going to get you more base cards. And and like I said, if you do the, if you do the fat packs, uh, like the hanger packs, you'll get way more base cards than you will. I like all these other cards, like I said, but at the same time, you know, if I really want the playing cards, like if I really wanted the the playing cards, I would just either buy them on eBay or I'd be all in on like the hobby boxes. But then again, if you think about it, if a hobby box is 
60 or 50 bucks and you get four playing cards per box, you can probably get the four playing cards for less than 50 bucks, right? The regular ones, yeah. Yeah. And then you maybe pay a lot more for the aces, but I mean, even if you pay 50 bucks for an ace or more, you're not going to have the same competition for a card like that as you are a young gun. Correct. There's also not as many printed, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, but I think the demand would be lower. So if it's. Oh, yeah, of course the demand's lower because yeah. everybody's chasing the rookie cards. How many people care about a playing card? The not player many. collectors the or player someone collector. who's going to build right. a set of them. Right. Which, again, I bring back to my point. I have not found a person yet that has all 52 cards. Because I think we say they're neat, but they're not like. They're neat, but they're not like you don't need to have them. Let's put it this way. I put everything in piles like I'm going to build this set someday and I'm going to build this set someday, so on and so forth. I finally took all the playing cards from every year, broke them out by player and stuck them in my player binders. Nice. So now they're in the places they'd be if somebody says, I collect so-and-so. Do you have any of their cards? And I just snap all the pictures of the pages and send them to them and say, here you go. Here's what I got. Yeah, by the way, if you want to tr- uh, trade with Tim, you can find him on Twitter at the real DFG. Yeah, please trade with me. Because he wants to trade his cards. I trade everything. He has them all sorted by player now. Mostly. Mostly. Unless, unless you collect, like, some weird player that I don't have. Like, if you're a Paul Byron super collector, I'm probably not going to have stuff pulled aside from him. Aww. Or if you're a Hampus Lindholm super collector, I'm not going to have pages for him. So I think in closing, I'd say I'd recommend this set. I, I like OPG every year. I mean, it. I'm never going to find a set that I'm 100% happy with for one reason or another. But as far as the design, the size of the set, the cardstock, which I know you don't like, um, the interesting variety in the inserts. And again, I'm not a fan of the, the bounty program but that's not why i'm buying the set so you know i like it i mean it's a set that i'm going to one way or another i'm either going to build it or i'm going to buy it but eventually i will have the set because i like it i love the opg sets i usually put them in binders put them in pages and binders and have it on my shelf it's just you know that kind of a set to me yeah i agree it's just upper deck you disappointed me with that cardstock man no, yeah, no, this was great. The cardstock is awesome. <laughs> Don't listen to him. He does uh, not express the views expressed in this yeah. podcast. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. The co-host not... of this podcast does not express the views of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not a deal breaker, right? No, it's definitely not a deal breaker. And like I said, I like the front designs. I just thought... Why couldn't you just do that with the regular cardstock? But I get it. I see what they're doing. I, I understand. Yeah. Just to oh, oh, and it, the, the one thing I wanted to talk about that I never brought up this entire time. Okay. The other, the other gripe I have, and I need oh. to get it off my chest right now. What in the world did you use to make these packs? The material is like old school cellophane, plasticky, 1991 pro set and it's horrible and you can't open the packs and it separates from itself and this stuff is garbage and 90% of the packs you try to open you bend all the corners of the cards because you can't open the dang packs 
There, that, I got it off my chest. No, you know what? That is actually a very accurate... Sorry I a, waited till the end to say it, but I had to say it. Yeah, opening the packs was a little bit of gymnastics. Like, I tried tearing open the pack, and it actually, like, peeled... Like, it split apart. Not, like, split open, but, like, it was almost like there were two wrappers. Yeah. Like, an inner wrapper that was white, and then an outer wrapper that was, like... um that had like the picture on it. Cause what I do is when I open packs, I always try to save at least one wrapper, like from every year, one to four wrappers. Cause I put them in four pocket pages and I tried opening and like, I'd open it and like, I would start pulling the wrapper apart carefully at the bottom. And like the plastic would like distort and tick, tear in like really weird ways like i get it if you're like trying to keep people from opening these packs and searching them you basically have to destroy the wrapper i mean i'm really i've gotten really good at gently pulling apart a wrapper and sliding the cards out and then flattening the wrapper and it's just like pristine you know what i mean like i've been good at that sort of thing except for like the early 90s score and early 90s pro set those you couldn't open without distorting but these it's just like you have to like shred them to get them open right and the worst the worst part about it like i said is you know and people are like oh it's a wrapper you're throwing it away anyway who cares I care because they're practically impossible to open. And by the time you like pull the top, like a traditional open in a pack of cards, you pull the top to pop it and you could usually slide your finger in and open the mm-hmm. rest. And like you mm-hmm. said, slide the cards out. No, mm-hmm. these, you got to pop it. And then when you notice that the colored part of the cellophane separates from the white part of the cellophane, then you got to like tear down the center till you get an opening at the bottom, pull the bottom across and then hope you didn't already bend the cards because you put too much tension on the corners and pulled them together because you couldn't open the damn thing. Oh my God. And I thought it was just a messed up box. Like we had a messed up box for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I gave up halfway through and let my wife open the rest of them because she was not having a problem. I mean, she was, but not as bad as me and wasn't getting frustrated. But the second box we got, I opened and like every pack, it was the same thing. And I'm like, this has got to be an epidemic. And I hope everybody else is having the same problem because this was two boxes from two different places and they were both the same. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? So upper deck, I don't know what you did there. You changed your card stock. You changed your packaging. I don't know. Maybe they're, the packs are just more tamper proof now. Nobody's going to steal peachy cards. No, I guess not. So, I don't, I don't know, whatever. That's my gripe. That's my gripe. If anybody's listening, if you share the same as me, let me know. If you don't, tell me to go you know where. Well, they should go They should go subscribe to this podcast. We're on iTunes and Google Play Music or whatever they're calling it now. They're replacing it with something else. And all the other major podcast providers. Please tell your friends and your family and uh, people at your local parish or whatever you do. To... Hey, I'm the, I'm the local parish here. Oh, you are the local parish. Are you a parishioner? Um, no, I'm the parish. The parish. Well, that's a cool last name. My last name is Barry, and it always gets misspelled B-E-R-R-Y, so I call that getting fruited. Like, ah, I've been fruited. Nice. But yeah, so tell everyone you know and love about the Puck Junk Hot podcast. And... Tell your enemies, too. Yeah, we'll take all listeners. 
All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we will definitely be back again before another full month has elapsed. We'll be back before the start of the new season. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk. 